Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, Desiring the Kingdom, a study of the books of First and Second Kings. Here's Pastor Nick. But now something bad happens, and suddenly they're upset with God that he hasn't done more to help them. Well, in spite of their attitudes, in spite of their actions, God is going to do something amazing to rescue them from this terrible famine. Look at what happens in chapter 7, verse 1. But Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, two seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate in Samaria. Look, what these prices mean is that in 24 hours' time, The famine will be over, and there will be such an abundance of food in the city of Samaria that it will be dirt cheap to buy it. Well, listen, that would be incredible. So incredible, in fact, was this promise that some people had a really hard time believing that this was even possible. Look at what it says in verse 2. Then the captain of those whose hand the king leaned on said to the man of God, If the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, how could this thing be? But he said, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. So the king's captain apparently has come down to be part of this murderous group that's going to kill Elisha. So Elisha gives this promise. Hey, it's going to be over. God's going to show you mercy, and it's going to happen in 24 hours' time. And this guy's like, that's not even possible. I don't even believe that God could do that. What's God going to do? Is he going to make food fall from the sky? That's the only way that this could possibly happen. And, and he's not wrong, really, because think about this. Even if this siege ended immediately, it would take weeks to get enough food into the city to not only feed the people, but have such an abundance that the price would get lowered to the point where Elisha's talking about. So this captain, though, here's the problem. He's failing to consider two things. He's failing, on the one hand, to consider the greatness of God. Can God do such a thing? Of course. Of course, God can do anything. And you know what else he's failing to realize? The faithfulness or the reliability of God's word, that if God makes a promise, God keeps his word. So Elisha tells this captain, he says, look, not only is God going to do this, but you're going to see it. But even though you see it, you will not partake in that food. You will not eat of the food. Well, how is God going to fix this famine in just 24 hours' time? How is God going to bring an end to this famine and bring all this food into Samaria? Well, check it out. God's going to bring this salvation in a way that's totally unexpected, and he's going to use a very unexpected group of people to do it and to spread the word. Check out what it says in verse 3. Now, there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate. And these lepers said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? Let us enter the city. The famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we will also die. So come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians, and if they spare our lives, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall die. I like their thinking. This famine, listen, this famine affected everybody. There was nobody whose life wasn't affected by the famine. But understand, some people were affected by the famine more than other people. And if there was one group of people that was particularly affected by the famine, it was the lepers. Maybe they were affected the worst. 
You might remember we've been talking about leprosy the past couple studies. Leprosy was a terrible disease. It was an incurable disease. It was also a highly contagious disease. It had a 100% mortality rate. Every single person who contracted leprosy died. But here's the deal with leprosy. It didn't kill you right away. No, you would suffer and you would die very slowly. Over the course of years, it would cause your body to fall apart and break down, and it would take years for you to finally die. Anyone who contracted leprosy, they were forced to live outside the city and they would have to fend for themselves. They couldn't work. They couldn't farm. The only way that they had food, you know how lepers got their food? They got their food by scavenging in the trash heap. They got their food by scavenging in the trash heap. But listen, in a time of famine, nobody's throwing out edible things in the trash. And so if you were a uh, leper, it was already bad. But if you were a leper in a time of famine, it was especially bad. Everybody in Samaria was starving, but nobody was starving more than the lepers. So these four lepers, they're sitting around. They're literally starving to death. And one of them says to the other, you know what we should do? We should go into town. And we should see if we can get some food. And then another leper says to him, bro, we can't go into town. We're lepers. We're not allowed to go into town. If we go into town, well, first, the Syrians will kill us because we got to get through them to get to the town. And then if the Syrians don't kill us, then when we get into town, the people in the town will kill us because we're not supposed to be in there. We're lepers. But the other guy says, OK, so you're worried about dying? Well, guess what we're doing right now? Like, we are going to die. So might as well give it a shot. We've literally got nothing to lose. Look, the worst thing that can happen is we die. But we're going to die anyway, so we might as well try something. You know, throughout the Bible, we, we've been talking about this, that leprosy is a picture, an image. It's used as a picture of sin. Because what leprosy does to your body is the same thing that sin does to your soul. It degrades you, it isolates you, and ultimately, it destroys you. And I want you to understand this. These lepers, they're kind of a picture of us, aren't they? These lepers are a picture of us. I don't know if you know this, but you're going to die. I hope I'm not breaking the news to you for the first time. You are going to die. I don't know when. I don't know how. But listen, your life here on Earth is going to end one day. You and me, therefore, are not that much different than these lepers. Just like them, think about it, our bodies are falling apart, and one day we're going to die. But here's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that God can heal. God desires to heal. God will heal the sickness, the leprosy that exists in your soul. So that even though your body of flesh will one day die, your soul can be saved. Your soul can live forever. And you will get a new body that will live forever. Now, maybe you might say, yeah, you know, that's cool. That sounds good. That sounds really great, actually. But how do I know that that's, that's really true? I mean, how do I know that that's not just a pipe dream, that that's not just, you know, some fairy tale? Well, on the one hand, we have the testimony of the scriptures. On the other hand, you have the historical evidence of Jesus' resurrection. And I could give you, I could give you a whole list of reasons why you should believe that what the Bible says is true. But listen, and, and we've done that before. We've done whole series and whole studies on that. But today, I want to point out something else to you. I want you to ask you this question. Listen, what have you got to lose? Literally, what have you got to lose? You're going to die either way. If you put your faith in Jesus, and then you know what? After this life, 
there's just nothing. There's just, there's no heaven, no hell. There's just nothing. You just die and that's it. Then look, by following Jesus, you will have lost nothing. You will have lost nothing. In fact, you will probably live a better, happier, healthier life. Even science shows that. Because you have joy and hope, you will live a better, happier, healthier life. So you, you will lose nothing by putting your faith in Jesus. But here's the thing. If you don't put your faith in Jesus, and it turns out that all this stuff in the Bible is actually true, well, then you will have lost everything. It will be an absolute, utter tragedy. You know, there's an actual name for this line of reasoning. I don't know if you know that, but it's called Pascal's Wager. We've got it there on the screen, just in case you're curious. Pascal's Wager. And it's named after a, a philosopher, a French philosopher named Blaise Pascal. He was a Christian, by the way. And one of the things that he would say to people as he was talking to them about Jesus and why they should put their faith in Jesus, he would say this, look, if you put your faith in Jesus, if you surrender your life to him, you literally have nothing to lose by doing so, and you have everything to gain. But on the other hand, if you don't put your faith in Jesus, you are taking a terrible risk. By not putting your faith in Jesus, you will gain nothing, and you stand to lose everything. And what he said, and, and this is really true, he said, listen, the only rational choice, the only smart thing you could possibly do is to put your faith and your trust in Jesus, is to embrace the hope and the message of the gospel. And that's the same logic these lepers were using here, isn't it? They said, well, we have nothing to lose, and we have everything to gain. So let's take this step of faith, and let's see what God might do. Well, that brings us to the second part of our sentence. Like lepers who have discovered a great feast, like lepers in a famine who have discovered a great feast. It says, verse 5, so they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. Well, what, that's weird, isn't it? The camp of the Syrians was made up of thousands of people. It was like a city unto itself. It was full of supplies and food, which had to be enough to last for several months, as long as this siege might take. So the lepers, they come to this camp, and all the tents are still standing, but there's nobody in the tents. Now, how can this be? Well, it tells us in verse 6, for the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses and the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the kings of, the, kings of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was, and they fled for their lives. Somehow, I don't know if God caused electrical impulses in their ears. I don't know if God created sound waves. But somehow, he caused these Syrian soldiers to hear the sound of an approaching army. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Nick Cady of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'll get back to the remainder of this message in a moment. We are open for in-person worship on Sunday mornings with services at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Come grow with us on Sunday mornings, online or in person at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Now, back to Pastor Nick with the remainder of today's message. But of course, no army was approaching. And so what did they do? Well, in their panic, they thought, we're surrounded by a much bigger army. And so what did they do? They fled, and they left everything just as it was. They packed nothing. They took nothing with them. They just ran away, and they left behind all their food rations, everything just the way it was when they left. 
It says verse 8, And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. And then they came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them. Just listen to this. These skinny, sickly lepers, they got bones popping out. They're dying of hunger. For years, they've been eating out of the trash. And now what do they do? They walk in to this tent where there's a banquet, right? There's a big, fat roast on the table. There are glasses of wine. And they just sit there, and they dine, and they eat like kings. It's so much food. The four lepers could probably have lived off of all this food for the rest of their lives, right? They, they've scored. Look how the tables have turned. But listen. Let's continue on this sentence. Like lepers in a famine who have discovered a feast, the gospel is good news. The gospel is good news. Listen, the, the image of lepers discovering a great feast, this is a picture of what it means to be a Christian. This is a perfect picture of the, the hope and the good news of the gospel. Look, just as leprosy is a picture in the Bible of sin, a feast is a picture in the Bible of heaven, of heaven. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a great wedding feast. In the book of Revelation, heaven is described as a great feast, a celebration where we will eat and drink at God's table forever. Listen, if you've ever been to a really good wedding, then you know what this is like. Or if you've ever had a really great family celebration. I think the closest thing we probably have in our culture to a great feast is what we do at Thanksgiving. But I just want you to imagine, that's how God describes heaven. He says, it's Thanksgiving, except you never get fat, and there are no weird conversations and no arguments about politics. You're like, that sounds like heaven. I'm like, I know. That's what the Bible says. Well, notice what the lepers say in verse 9. They say, this is a day of good news. Guys, you know, the word gospel, which is what we call the central message of the Bible, the central message of Christianity is what we call the gospel. The gospel simply means good news. And the message of the gospel, you know what it is? The core message of the Bible is this. God welcomes lepers like you and me to sit at his table, his banquet table, forever. This empty camp, you know what else it means? It means that the siege is over. The enemy is gone. In the same way, the Bible tells us that there is an enemy of our souls. But because of what Jesus did for us in his life, in his death, and by his resurrection, the Bible tells us that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. The good news of the gospel is that the siege of your soul is over. The spiritual battle for your soul has been won by Jesus, and you have been set free in him. Listen, the reason these lepers discovered this great feast, I want you to think about this. The reason they discovered this great feast was because they reached a point of desperation. They reached a point of desperation where they realized their situation was so hopeless that they had nothing to lose. Listen, that, that the same thing is true for you and me on a spiritual level as well. In order for you to really appreciate the good news of the gospel, in order for you to say, yes, I need the Savior that God has provided, in order for you to be thrilled and overjoyed by the gospel, you first have to realize how desperate your situation really is. 
But when you understand just how desperately you need that Savior and that salvation that God has provided, I'll tell you what, when you realize that, you will cling to Jesus. You will hold on to him, and you will never let go, and you'll hold on to him with joy. But wait, listen. This isn't the end of the story. There's this one more part. Like lepers in a famine who discovered a great feast, the gospel is good news that can't be kept to ourselves. It can't be kept to ourselves. Listen, here are these lepers. Just picture this scene. They're sitting around this table, right? They light the candles. They're eating this roast. They're drinking the wine. They're surrounded by gold and silver. They're stuffing stuff in their pockets. For years, they have been treated like trash. They've been eating out of the trash. They've been treated as outcasts. But now, it's them who are feasting, and the people in the city are starving to death. They're living like kings. Oh, how the tables have turned. But look at what they say in verse 9. And they said to one another, what we are doing is not right. This is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until the morning, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, let us go and tell the king's household. These lepers were overcome with this overwhelming sense that it was not good for them to keep this food and keep this good news to themselves and not share it with the starving people in the city. So in verses 10 through 15, you can look at it in your Bibles. Here's what happens. The lepers rise up from the banquet table. They leave the banquet, and they go to the city gates of the city of Samaria. And they tell the gatekeepers of the city the good news. Guys, the siege is over. There is an abundance of food. There's more food than any of us could ever eat, right? There's enough for everybody to eat well. Listen, what these lepers did, this is, this is a great picture. By sharing this good news with all the other people, this is a perfect picture of what it is for you and me to share the good news of the gospel with other people, the good news about Jesus with others. You know, the word evangelism, it simply means to share the good news, to share the good news. And I'll tell you this, the essence of evangelism is not one person trying to force their beliefs on somebody else. Evangelism isn't you trying to force other people to think the way that you think. You know what evangelism is? I love this quote. The essence of evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. That's what evangelism is. It's you telling another person, hey, here's where I found the bread. Even though the siege was over, the people in the city didn't know it. They were still living as if they were under siege. Someone had to go and tell them, proclaim this good news to them. And these lepers understood that they could not, in good conscience, keep this information to themselves. If people out there were starving and dying and they were eating well, then it would be wrong for them to keep it to themselves. Listen, friends, there are people in your communities who are literally starving spiritually. They need to hear the good news of what Jesus has done for them. And you know what you are? You are a leper with a message. That's who you are. You're like these guys, a leper with a message. And other people need to hear the news that you have. So don't keep it to yourself. I love this quote from Richard Baxter. He was a Puritan pastor. And here's what Richard Baxter said. He said, I preached as never sure if I would ever preach again. I preached as a dying man to dying men. Friends, let me tell you, that is so incredibly accurate. You are a dying man, a dying woman. And everyone around you, they have an expiration date on them as well. And I want to encourage you to be as bold as a leper. You know these lepers? They had one big advantage. 
Because they knew that they were dying, they weren't afraid of anything, right? They were, what are, we, what are they going to do? Are they going to kill us? OK, bring it on, because we're dying. They had nothing to lose. And I'll tell you this, we who trust in Jesus, we have something that gives us even greater boldness than just the fact that we know that we're dying. We have the fact that we have the hope of eternal life. And so as bold as they were, we can be even bolder. I just want to remind you guys, we are living in the midst of a pandemic. People are literally dying. And you and me, you know what we have? We have the good news that leads to eternal life. How could we keep that to ourselves? We have the good news of what God has done in Jesus. And he has entrusted us with that message. Paul the Apostle, you know what he said? He said, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me. Woe to me if I keep this good news to myself. Guys, if we have this good news and we just keep it here in these, in these four walls or two walls and a curtain or whatever it says, right? If we keep this good news here amongst ourselves, just between us, we're, you know what we're like? We're like a couple of lepers sitting around a table just gorging ourselves while a whole city full of people dies unnecessarily. Friends, this is who we are. We are lepers with a message. And I want you to know this. God wants to use you to share the good news of his salvation with others. And in verse 16, the story comes to a close where it says that the famine ended, just as Elisha said it would, within 24 hours of his pronouncement. And look at what it says there in verse 16 of 2 Kings chapter 7. A seah of fine flour was sold for a shekel, two seahs of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. That's exactly what he said would happen, isn't it? Listen, God brought salvation to this besieged city, to these besieged people, in a surprising way. And he used a surprising group of people to do it. But remember, there's one, one guy left in this story, isn't there? Whatever happened to the king's captain? Remember the guy who said, that news is too good to be true. I don't believe it. Well, what happened to him? Well, here's what happened. His disbelief led to death. Read about it in verses 17 through 20. Just as Elisha had said, the unbelieving captain, he saw the end of the famine, but he didn't get to partake in the feast. Verse 17, it says that he was trampled as the people were running out of the city of Samaria, out to the camp of the Syrians to eat the food. He was trampled, and he died. Listen, just as God made this promise of salvation to those people at this time, God has made a promise of salvation to you and I as well. And the question for you and me is this. What will you do with this promise of salvation that God has given you? Just as God promised to bring salvation to Samaria, God will surely keep his promise to bring salvation to your soul through Jesus. But what a tragedy it would be for you to go the way of this captain, to die in disbelief, not believing that God could do this, not believing the word of God that he would do this, and as a result, dying and not getting to partake in this great feast. So listen, rather than disbelief leading to death, May we be those who have the boldness of these lepers, who realize the desperation of our situation and take hold of the salvation that God has provided us in Jesus, and who are filled with so much love and concern for others that we don't keep this good news to ourselves. Please stand with me and let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this good news of the gospel. 
Lord, we thank you that the enemy has been vanquished, Lord, the enemy of our souls, that our souls are no longer under siege, Lord, because you have won the spiritual battle for our souls. Thank you, Lord, that you redeemed us, that you have set us free from spiritual famine because you, the bread of life, have come to us, Jesus. And so we take this bread now in our hands, your body broken for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, you said, I am the bread that has come down from heaven. Lord, thank you that you nourish our souls. You cure the famine of our souls. And Lord, you give us abundance. Thank you for the promise that because of what you did on the cross, in your perfect life, Lord, and your sacrificial death, Lord, thank you that as a result of that, we can have the hope that we will truly sit with you at your banquet feast forever. And we look forward to that day. We look forward to it in hope. And it's in that hope that we now take this bread together as your people in celebration and in faith. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com.